And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, beat writer extraordinaire. He's making a source list and checking it twice. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? Doing good. I think all my sources are good. I, if I have any naughty sources, that would be uh, problematic for my career. So we try to avoid them. Uh, I'm not going to send anyone a lump of coal either. That's that's just not how I operate. So Merry Christmas to all. Happy holidays. Um, thanks for listening to a baseball podcast in the middle of winter when MLB is in a lockout. You're truly a loyal listener if you're listening to this right now. Yeah. Words could not be more well-spoken there. We appreciate all our listeners. We appreciate all our followers. He's at Cody Stavenhagen on Twitter. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley, and the pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. If you feel so inclined, five-star review on Apple and Spotify. And I got to give you, Cody, some credit because you turned out – so you had actually hinted – that you know, some of the minor leagues are going to be of uh, of of content interest moving forward, especially with, as you said, the lockout. And you had a pretty comprehensive list of, or look, I would say, of the Tigers minor league status. Before we dive into some of those names, you also wrote this week on the Athletic. Should Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green be considered for the opening day roster? And there were some words in there, speaking of sources, you have multiple sources that say that Riley Green will, I believe I'm quoting your story directly, quote, be given every opportunity um, to, to make the Major League roster out of spring training, which... In fairness, could be summer training, but hopefully it will be it will be spring training. And Torkelson is a little bit of a different animal, so let let's go with Riley Green. It, it, could you put a percentage on the likelihood of Riley Green opening, being on the opening day roster, breaking camp, opening day roster, Riley Green on the Detroit Tigers? What's your percentage, you think? I think it's pretty high. I think at least 75%. Um, I think it's clear this is kind of in the Tigers' plans, not only because that's what people in the organization have been saying for months, but because at least so far they have not upgraded their outfield at all. It seems like they need a bat um, with the talent of Riley Green to be in that lineup. Now, whether it's actually day one or not, that's hard to say. I do think it will come down to can he erase any doubt in spring training that he is ready. But Riley's done nothing but exceed expectations from the day he was drafted. He's torn up big league pitching in spring training before he's continued to become a more polished hitter, uses all fields. Um, How well can he actually play center field in Comerica? I think we won't really know until he's out in Comerica Park every day. But He's a very capable defender. Um, I don't think he has a lot less left to prove. I think the Tigers have a need in their outfield. And I think unless he just really struggles and shows, okay, maybe the swing and miss is just too much. Maybe eh, maybe we don't really want him seeing top-end pitching every single day just yet. I mean, I think he would have to have a very bad spring training to not make the roster. 
And I don't think Riley Green is going to have a very bad spring training because I've never seen Riley Green struggle with anything ever. So that's how I feel about it, and I think that's how the Tigers feel about it as well. This will be his third spring training? Third, yeah. The kids grow up fast, uh, right? That's that's weird to think. His third spring training. So with this being his third spring training, he's a seasoned veteran. I feel like he's going to look at this as his time, and I also feel like the Tigers should, and I would anticipate they are, going to sort of give him a long leash in spring training. Not necessarily worry about going through a little bit of a drought offensively and, and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Do you believe, because let me phrase it like this. I'm a big believer that actions speak louder than words. This is a life philosophy of mine. Actions speak louder than words. And inaction speaks just as loud, right? So... It's kind of an unfair way to look at it just because, as you mentioned, we're in a lockout. But even before the offseason, Al wasn't really all in on trying to go after an outfielder, an outfield bat, because I think he's looking at, why do I need to do that when I got one coming up right now? I kind of look at that as an endorsement of Riley Green and that he's going to break the team break with the team as spring training. Can we interpret the inaction of the Tigers offseason pre-lockout as somewhat of an indicator of confidence in Green? Yeah, I think so. I mean, absolutely. I think that's a, a, another reason if you don't just believe what people say, like how comfortable would the Tigers really be opening with an outfield of Akil Badu? Derek Hill, Robbie Grossman, and Victor Reyes. I mean, that's the outfield they had for a large part of last year. All solid players, but how confident do you feel about any of those guys' bats other than other than Grossman, Hill, and Reyes especially? Can Hill stay healthy? Like, uh, you know, I, I continue to say I'd like to see him add a right-handed outfield bat. Well, Riley Green's a lefty. He doesn't check that need, but he does give you theoretically an impact player and a guy who should grow into a franchise cornerstone in your outfield, I think that changes the entire conversation. I think you can feel a lot better about an outfield of Badu, Green, Grossman, and then either Hill or Reyes. I think that that generally makes more sense. Again, it seems it sounds like Eric Haas could end up playing some left field as well, get his power stick in the order. I think that outfield just shapes up a lot better, where if you don't have Riley Green in that conversation, it seems like you have a pretty glaring need somewhere in that outfield. Well, is that is there a glaring need with him playing center defensively? Uh, because that's going to be something that we're all going to have to check in on periodically. Uh, I, I think he's passed with flying cover, colors in the minors. I haven't, obviously I don't watch every game or whatever, but... As you wrote in your article, I think he's more athletic than he gets credit for, and he's very instinctual. And with Kamer- people talk about Comerica Park all the time with how deep the center field is, and I understand because we all think back to like the Curtis Grandersons and the Austin Jacksons, Austin Jacksons of the world. But you know, you only play half your games there, and and we've talked previously about you don't necessarily build your roster around a ballpark because there's you only play home games. So 
to to me, I, I don't have a whole lot of concerns about him in center, even at Comerica, because of those instincts. Uh, that was one of the early analytical things, actually, defensively, just kind of a side tangent there, is that some of those highlight plays sometimes you would see or the gold, the things that get gold gloves are sometimes a result of maybe not being properly positioned or maybe not having like the best instincts or whatever. So if he's got instincts and we know that the Tiger is going to put him in good position, um, you know, shift wise or whatever, I, I think that kind of, we talked about this on infield. We haven't really talked about it on outfield that much. I think that kind of mitigates a little bit of the concerns. Is that fair? Yeah, I think if there's, I guess maybe this is an example of me being inconsistent because I don't think you should necessarily build your team around a ballpark. And fun teaser, I wrote a lot of words about Comerica Park and it's it's fences in an article that will run early next week or, or this week for pod listeners. We're recording this on a Saturday. But I think if there's one position for the Detroit Tigers where the ballpark matters, it's center field. You need a guy who can cover that ground and that is a skill that translates easily in any ballpark if you can cover ground in comerica ain't nothing gonna fall in great american ballpark um so i think that only works to your benefit i've seen riley green play i think he's a very good defensive outfielder but the more i watch like when you watch Derek hill play center field and riley green that's where you see the difference between an elite center fielder and a guy who's a really good defensive player Riley Green's just not as fast. He does have very good instincts, but I think Derek Hill does as well. Derek Hill graded out last year somehow with negative defensive runs saved. And the point here is defensive runs saved is, is as you can see, Olive scratching in the background. Uh, defensive runs saved. Yeah, had to get her uh, her say in about analytics. She's not a believer. <laughs> um, defensive runs saved is compared to the league average. Well, every team tends to have a very athletic center fielder. Every team tends to believe its center fielder is the best center fielder in the league because they're all good athletes. They're all good defenders. So if you look at Riley Green compared to other center fielders in baseball, despite being a really good outfielder I, I think the, just the general speed he would still probably be a little bit average to below average I think if you move him to a corner I think he's an above average gold glove candidate outfielder I think the Tigers plan is let's see for sure in center field maybe he continues to just exceed expectations and his instincts are so good he gets to every ball and it's silly that we ever doubted he could play center field uh, I think he gets this chance for this year, maybe next year. I think long-term, the Tigers maybe look to move him to a corner and and get a quote-unquote real center fielder and try to build an elite defensive outfield. I think with the current state of the team um, and Green's youth, and because you really need to answer this question once and for all, he starts this year in center field, probably plays this in, most of this year in center field. Um I'm not quite sold that that's where he will spend the rest of his career. And that's not, again, not to say I think he's a bad fielder because I think he's a really good fielder. I just think it's hard to be a great center fielder in the major leagues. This may be unfair to you, but do we know for sure? Like, has he gone on record and talked at length about, like, his desire to be a center fielder? Or 
this is just something yeah, he wanted to do, I mean, and they and they let him, you know, do play it out in the minors. You know, he put in a ton of work because the knock on Riley coming out of the draft was, oh well, he's not a good fielder. Well, he put in a ton of work to get faster, to get more athletic, and showed every scout who wrote down that in their evaluation was either wrong or that information was very much outdated. Riley's probably not the guy who's going to be real strong in his convictions. Say, yeah, I want to play center field. I think he's been asked about it and kind of gives the, well, yeah, I'd like to play center field, but I'm willing to do whatever the team, whatever the organization wants. Um, so I don't think he's really put his foot down. But knowing what I really know about Riley, I think there's something inside, a little more of a quieter part, that would love to prove everyone wrong and prove he can play center field every day in the major leagues. Yeah, that's fair. Um uh... You ready for a nickname submission for Riley Green? Let's hear it. All right. So we, we can workshop this. I'm not saying it's a final product. Um, how do you like Riley the Machine Green? I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Like it kind of rhymes, but not totally. Well, you just call him the, the machine. machine. I don't know. I don't know if, if he's a machine, you know. I don't know you know, if he is a machine. The hitting machine. The re- okay, yeah. so the, so the reason I think I think he's I think he has too much flair to be a machine. When I think machine, I think this guy like Torkelson's swing is like Spencer Torkelson's a machine. He just gets up there, has the most efficient swing of all time, just hits the baseball, does his thing. Uh Riley's got a little more of a flamboyant looping swing. He's, he's a little more flashy in the field. Uh, for some reason, machine doesn't really doesn't really j- jive with me there. Okay, that's fair. I'll tell you how I came to it. Uh, Kenny Rogers, former Tigers pitcher, the Gambler, right? Because Kenny Rogers, the singer, had a song called "The Gambler," right? There's also a country music artist named Riley Green. However, he's not nearly as successful as Kenny Rogers. There's so, no E at the end of this Riley Green's name. I had an editor make that mistake in a headline once, and I said, <laughs> it's, it, there's, it should be an E, although Riley Green is a kind of good country singer. <laughs> yeah, again, I'm, I, I do enjoy his songs. I'm just saying he's not Kenny Rogers, right? So, And, and the, most of them are sort of like relationship-y, so there's not really anything that court, sort of like lends itself to any sort of nickname, you know? Uh but his record label is like the big machine whatever records. So that's that I went down a rabbit hole to like find something to connect the singer to the baseball player. Um Hold on. Uh, am I wrong? Is it, he, uh... No, it's is she... like is Riley Green represented by the uh the same record company that Taylor Swift had to to sue and that did not want to give her control of her masters because if he is we don't like the big machine people and we're definitely not naming riley green i don't know if this is the same company but taylor swift's original company was um was big machine records so yeah i mean it is a tangent but like like i I thought you know could it be like the lean machine because he he obviously was a little slender guy but then he kind of bulked up so i I was that's why i said it was a workshop thing and but the record the record thing i that that, that's insurmountable like that that's like a full stop you know like this is a very pro t-swift podcast i'm out i'm out anti-scott borchetta anti-scooter braun pro t-swift 
I do like Riley Green's music. He probably needs to either move to a, another record label or just start re-recording his masters now because they're, they're just going to try to screw him over eventually. That's what those people do. There's like they don't care a, about artists owning their own work. It's like a 1 in 10 million chance that he listens to this podcast. And if he is listening, Mr. Green, uh, can you please come up with a song that a la Kenny Rogers the Gambler so we can give a nickname to your name counterpart on the Detroit Tigers? Now, interestingly, Bruce Springsteen, typical baseball writer thing here, Bruce Springsteen just sold his entire work to, I think, Sony for like $500 million. I guess that's just, I don't know, he's old and he like got bored and was like, <laughs> I'm just going to get $500 million out of this. I don't know. Uh, so Springsteen, a very pro-labor guy, of course, uh, sold all the rights to all his work to Sony just a few days ago. Not sure why he did it, but uh, whatever. Probably has something to do with the five hundred million. Uh, if I were, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might have played a role. <laughs> <laughs> we all have principles until there's a there's a certain dollar figure, and then it's like, oh, okay, that much. Um, but okay, well, so we'll 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 leave the Riley Green nickname thing as an incomplete. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm gonna spend a decent amount of time trying to figure it out. For myself, because I want to, I want to be on the, I want us to be on the cutting edge of this. I want our submission to be the first one that pops up on his baseball reference page. Those nicknames are usually pretty hilarious, and no one's ever heard of them. And I want to be one of those nicknames. Um, but the other half of your article was Spencer Turkelson, and. That one's a little bit more dicey. Uh, obviously, less time in the minors than Riley, but you know he went to college and was playing high-level baseball, and can't be dis- discounted. You know, playing Pac-12 baseball, right? And has also done good things in the minor leagues. One that puts him in this conversation. Um, was it Akil Badu last year where basically AJ Hinch was like, make me have to have a tough choice, make me like have to, you know, make my job harder. Was it Badu last year that he kind of gave that message to, or was it somebody else? Badu, he might've said the same thing about, um, like Matt Manning. Yeah. So that should be the message to Turkelson is it's not one of the, like Riley Green giving you every opportunity. I don't believe Torgelson at this point is give every opportunity to break camp with the team, but he's in that category of make me work, make me have to cut you essentially. Obviously not, you know, you know, demotion to the minors or whatever, not like cut, cut, but like make me cut you, make me have to like have a hard choice because I do think he could be in line for it. But I would probably say the better move for him is to get some at-bats at AAA at the beginning of the season. I'd still put the odds on Torque making the big league roster at like 50%. The Tigers seem to be a little more cautious, at least not as outspoken about it. Um, I think just because even though he is older, he has played less professional baseball than Riley Green, being a guy who came, who came out of college. He's had one pro season of facing actual um, pitching, and he played across three levels. I mean, he did great. He shot up the system, 
but he hasn't really seen that much pitching at even the double A or the triple A level because he rose so much in that one year. Not many woods. And then triple A. Yeah. And then triple A, um, you know, his batting average, despite having great on base, great power numbers, the batting average was a little low. His batting average on balls and play was also low. So it's not like he was a total failure, but you saw the drought. And as much as we say last year's spring training doesn't matter, like that sticks in my head a little bit, just knowing Torkelson is kind of capable of having that big of a slump. And even the first couple weeks in West Michigan, he started off very slow. I think that all stands to say you don't have to have him on the opening day roster, especially because um, you can play Jonathan Scope at second, Miguel Cabrera, maybe some Eric Haas at first to begin the season. You kind of have another way of configuring that infield if you just want to give Torkelson a little more time to refine himself or to see a little extra pitching just to kind of be on the safe side. At the same time, I think if Spencer Torkelson comes out and has a great spring training, like you're really not going to put him on the major league roster just because you want to like, like what good does a month of pitching in AAA really do? Especially we'll see. I, I think the Tigers will never be able to say it publicly, but what does the new, how does the new CBA address service time could be a factor. I think for Torkelson more than green, because if you're, if you're on the fence, there's some benefit to sending him to AAA. You get an extra year of team control down the line. If the new CBA eradicates that notion, then and he plays well in spring training, then like you're really going to leave this guy off the major league roster. That's kind of how I feel about it. I would not be at all surprised if Twerk breaks camp with the team, but um, I think it will depend on his performance in spring training. Yeah, I mean, I think he can earn his way. I think he should have like the lane i guess for back lack of a better term to earn his way i i wouldn't give him a fake chance uh i would i would say that you know if he there shouldn't be no even if the cba and this is all speculative even if the cba still has that service time thing in there i'm I'm not a big, like, preserve service time guy. Maybe that's why I would be a bad GM. Um, in my opinion, the art of culture building involves rewarding players for performing well. And if he performs to the level that is, that is needed in order to break with the team and go to Detroit, then I think you got to put him on because I... I still know if you're trying if you're on the buildup, I don't know what that really accomplishes long term. The extra year of team control. Okay. We're not in a salary cap league. I guess maybe it's possible we will be, but that's not really up for discussion. We're not in a salary cap league. So if if this guy has earned his way, then put him on the damn team. Same thing with Riley. I mean, we talked at one of the very first series of episodes we did of this podcast was the whole Akil Badu thing. It's kind of crazy to think about, but it's like, really? You're going to put this guy on the Major League roster? Uh, but I said at the time, I was like, what kind of message does that send if he performed at this well in spring training and he doesn't get to be on the Major League team? In my opinion, you earn it, you get it, and you deal with all those ramifications later. 
we still have great examples of the whole service time thing kind of biting a team in the butt later it can give a player a bad taste for the organization and i just i just don't really think that's good culture building so that that's kind of my thing on it i i I don't really care about it at all to be honest and it might not it might be a moot point so yeah, I, I hope it's somehow addressed in the new CBA, and I don't even know exactly what the solution is. But I'm going to be honest. If I were a GM, I would manipulate guys' service time because do I want them for one month as a rookie or do I want them for another full year as a five-, six-year major league veteran? I, I want them on the backside of that. If you lose Casey Mize, I mean, you know, if you lose Mize and Scoogle, I think in the grand scheme of this rebuild, that extra year of Mize and Scoogle could be highly beneficial if you are uh, pursuing a World Series. And I don't know, I guess the Cubs ended up not really needing it with Chris Bryant. They were ready to get rid of him by his last year. But but uh, I, I think generally, man, I would, I, yeah, like um, I don't think it's good for players, but if I were a major league GM, I would take advantage of that, of that loophole in the system. Are we even... Unless, getting- but with Riley Green, like... I think I would put Riley Green on the Major League roster at the same time because you don't have enough of an argument why not and because you need him to contribute for your team. If you're trying to win especially, I think it changes the conversation. The 2020 Tigers, I don't know. Al got, Al got a bunch of crap for did he manipulate Mize's service time. Well, I don't know. Mize had a 6.99 ERA, so he wasn't as ready as the media, the public maybe thought he was. But if you're not trying to win now, I think it's – all the more reason to err on the side of caution, give a guy another month in the minors. If you're trying to win ball games, like I think that does change the conversation a little bit, especially with Riley Green when you you need you need an impact bat in the outfield. I guess I'm curious where on the hierarchy and I don't know, you might not know this question. Where on the hierarchy is the service time for the players association? Because we, we, we do we do hear things like and to say again, a lot of the things that they want, they're sort of trying to keep out of the media, so this is all speculative. But for the sake of this discussion, where on the hierarchy of service time is the priority? Because you do hear that they want to be able to hit free agency sooner. But does that necessarily, like, wh- where are they gonna want to bargain on that? You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm I'm very curious on that. How important is it? Yeah the the more I read, kind of the more confused I get, and the more I come to think, man, there I think there need to be changes in the way players get paid. I think they should be able to get paid earlier in their careers. At the same time, I don't know that there is a perfect solution. One of the union's ideas is, okay, every player, age-based, you hit free agency at 29 and a half. Well, that would mean star players like Juan Soto, who begin their major league careers earlier, aren't hitting free agency until deep in their careers. It's probably worse for the very top end. It's probably best for baseball's middle class, which like in politics is kind of what this is all really about. Um, but okay, so, so an age-based free agency would basically eliminate service time manipulation because team control is just based on your age, not your years of service. But if you're going to, there's also the idea, well, maybe players should just hit free agency after five years. So they get paid earlier in their careers. 
well, the, the rebuttal against that is like so many teams are already non-tendering guys early um, and service time manipulation would probably increase if you only have team control for five years. So is there a way you change the service clock to where that two weeks doesn't matter? I don't know. Like, I don't think there's a, a magic bullet solution to all of this. And I think if the union has a magic bullet solution, they haven't made it entirely public. I think, is there a way to have age-based free agency with some kind of exceptions? I don't know. It is complicated and made more complicated by the fact that you know, baseball is a really hard game. And even if, you know, you make your major league debut at, say, 22 years old, you might not really even figure it out till 24, 25. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, right up on a contract, you know? Uh, so I don't claim to have the answer there. But without looking into it too deeply, I do kind of favor service time over age. But for your Juan Soto example. But another thing, too, is that these unions kind of have to look at the middle class and the lower guy more than the Juan Sotos of the world because it may not be a good uh, overall situation for Juan Soto, but he's still going to get paid. No one is doubting that he's going to be able to still be a really good player at 29 and then get one of those contracts that that were handed out only a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you, union leadership uh, typically does look at the the middle class, the lower guys, to try to get as many people paid as possible because outliers are outliers, and you really shouldn't make any policy or agreement based on outliers, if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. um, well, So you also wrote this week about sort of like the the top tier guys at each position in the Tigers system. Uh, Any truth to the rumor that you're trying to take Keith Law's job and be the minor league guy for the athletic? Uh, No, I would not want to do that. I like covering (laughs) major league players, um, honestly. So, no, I don't want Keith Law's job. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) well, because, yeah, that... I'd he say Keith Law's take... salary, but not his actual <laughs> job description. Well, he's got to get information about hundreds of guys. I mean, that's that's a lot to try to do for sure. But for the sake of the Tigers beat, so for years we talked about how the minor league system was really strong because you had you know you had Mize, and all of a sudden there's this guy named Scooble who's kind of rising up. Okay, he's still got that. Still got that first-round pick in Manning. Oh, okay, this Riley Green guy. Okay, he's showing some promise. All right, number one overall pick. You take Torkelson, the universally considered number one player in the draft. Really healthy system. Now we're at the point where they're not in the system anymore. They are the major league team, or at least on the cusp of being the major league team. Do you have an assessment of the overall health of the Tigers minor league system. Not necessarily a grade or a ranking, just like you kind of like how they're sort of replenishing. Uh, I mean, sometimes that's the problem when your prospects graduate to the big leagues or guys like Torkelson who shoot up there rather fast. You don't immediately replace Spencer Torkelson with another Spencer Torkelson. 
Um, you know, Jackson Job was picked out of high school and he's a pitcher. So he's probably, even though I think he could end up being a huge prospect, he's not really going to be on that radar, maybe as early as, as some guys. Uh, we forget the Tigers are going to have a relatively high draft pick again next year, um, which, you know, which bodes well. But the idea, you know, the criticism has always been, okay, they have four or five great guys and then just not a lot of depth. And I think that's all the more clear when you see, okay, you're pitching trios in the big leagues and Torque and Green are about to be in the big leagues. So then you have Jackson Job and, you know, a few guys you hope you hit on who are good players, but you don't really know what their major league ceiling or role is. Like a Ryan Kreidler, you know, Daniel Cabrera, who kind of didn't, didn't perform the way you might have hoped. Uh, I think Colt Keith has a lot of upside at, at third base or infield, but he's very young. You don't really know yet. Parker Meadows, it looks like you're not going to hit on. You know, you have some. Oh my God, yeah, I forgot about Parker boy, Meadows. Parker Meadows. How could I forget about? You know, how you have I forget about Logan Meadows? Shore, Paul Rashawn, like some, you know, some okay pitchers. I think Winston Fiedo are pretty good, pretty good prospect def. I think they're also going to be in the big leagues soon. Uh, I think just especially at your positions, like it, you, you look at outfield, you look at second base, you know, luckily one of the reasons Torkelson is pretty much done with the third base experiments because you have no one else in the system uh, unless you're a Ronaldo Rivera believer um, who, who can do much of anything for you at first. Now, Dylan Zingler, I think, is a very good prospect. So all this to say, I mean, I think there's some good players in the Tigers system. I think it gets a B or a B plus overall still, but... It doesn't quite have the depth that you really want in in your farm. For the record, I didn't actually forget about Parker Meadows. I forgot about him and forecasting a guy who could actually be in the major leagues. Yeah. I've sort of sort of written him off. I uh, don't. I I got over here in my studio. I got a signed Parker Meadows card that uh, I don't think the ROI on that is going to uh, probably be not. Although there was a time people would have said that about Derek Hill too, so you never know. And I also have a Derek Hill sign one, so um, um, I- I'm definitely a long-term investor in signed sports cards of Tigers prospects. <laughs> uh, they uh, over the past uh, ten I, years I, I, or so, that has not been a very profitable venture for you. It, it has not. <laughs> it has not. Um, but I, I guess with the system in general and. They were so pitcher heavy in the draft this year that we probably got a like at this time next year we'll probably have a better idea of sort of the depth and like do they have some some arms that could that could come up if needed in a couple years, um, but it just there's no star anymore like the shine on you mentioned Dingler and Cabrera. Those are guys with potential, but they don't have any shine anymore. You know what I mean? And, you know, Cabrera kind of middled around there. And Dingler, part of it's hurt. Part of it's, you know, you know, being a catcher. And I'm not riding either of them off. Souring on your guy Dylan Dingler quick. Yeah, I'm not riding them off. i just saying the shine is kind of worn off. And that doesn't necessarily mean they ain't going to make it. But this past year... Tiger's Twitter, to its uh, huge credit, was filled with, you know, green highlights, Torkelson highlights, Dingler highlights. Where are the highlights going to come now, man? Like, the the uh, the high-profile guys have just about moved on or 
will soon be moving on if, if Torrelson doesn't break it out of camp. So in a way, this... I think people are going to like Jackson Job sliders more than you might think. I think we might see a lot of Jackson Job on Pitching Ninja. I don't know if he's going to be a better prospect than Marcelo Meyer. And but for I the record, I I do believe in Jackson Job the potential. Like I I would have picked Meyer, but I I I can't hate taking Job if that makes sense. Like I I get why. That's that's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah I, I I get why. So with Job, Job's going to be the number one intrigue in the system this year because obviously didn't you know they made the decision smart decision in my opinion. Not even bother trying to get him the pitch uh, at all in some low-level minor leagues in 2021. But you talk about a guy who's going to have a spotlight early on. It, it's definitely going to be him. And then you know you think about like what's Ty Madden's trajectory? Like is he because he was a college pitcher? So like is he a guy that? Is he going to try to be a starter and then you're like two years away or could he be a reliever? And, you know, that kind of shortens the, the time frame a little bit. There, there's a there's a lot to be said there. I do think maybe I don't want to say sleeper because we've talked about him enough, but I'm very curious about how much Colt Keith can do. I think that 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 was a pick at the time that. You know, we weren't doing the podcast at the time, but we were kind of like, oh, okay, this this could be one of those savvy moves that we look a, look a couple of years from now and say that was a really great get. I, I think that might be my number one intriguing prospect. Uh, do, do you have a guy that you're most curious about? Ooh, um, put me on the spot here. I mean, Colt Keith, uh, yeah, I think he's the guy. We, we haven't mentioned the name Gage Workman right now, and he was, you know, he was so-so with his first year. I'd like to see him develop a little more because I really liked that pick out of Arizona State. Um, he came with a reputation for this guy can hit the ball some pop, but he's going to strike out a lot. I think that's after you get past 20, 21, 22, I think that's a hard thing to correct. But I think uh, Gage Workman could still have some pretty good potential. So if not – I think Colt Keith has a higher upside for sure. I'm really interested to see. He's still filling out his frame, hasn't really grown into his power yet. So I'd go Colt Keith, but but Gage Workman interests me as well. I'm only mentioning him because he's in the article. Um, and we talked about guys breaking camp with the team. Is Cody Clemens, I know he's on the 40 man. Is he going to break camp with the team? Uh, I doubt it. I think... There's kind of a lot of roster configuration riding on what one Isak Paredes does. Can he, you know, if he can play second base, that could almost work against Torkelson if he has like a mediocre camp because then you can put scope at first, like, you know, use Paredes some at second. I think there's a lot riding on that. And then Cody Clemens would have to easily outplay, I think, Paredes to make the big league roster. I see him as a depth guy. Maybe makes his debut this year if there end up being a couple injuries in the infield. Um, you know, I like Cody Clemens as a guy. He's a great interview. I like the way he plays the game, but his skill set has just never really enamored me. Um, so I'm not I'm not super high on him as a ball player. Maybe there's a role for him, but, but that's kind of how I feel about Cody Clemens. 
All right, let's move on to, uh, since it is the week of Christmas, I went ahead and jotted down some uh, some wish lists, a wish list for the Tigers. <laughs> and uh, there's about 10 of them. Some are serious, some are funny. We just kind of ramp them out. Sort of in the same spirit of last week's uh, casting call for the members of the team. This is very much lockout-centered content, but... We got to do what we got to do, right? So, number one wish. And these are no in particular order. Number one wish. A proper fitting helmet for Akil Badu. I think... Do you really want that? Is that really what I don't want it, but I think for the safety of the player, I think it would be better (laughs) if he had a helmet. Let me say this. If a helmet that he at least didn't have to touch as soon as he got out of the batter's box... Because any kind of motion like that kind of slows you down a little bit, right? Yeah, and we all we all taken true. running classes like that 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 slows you down a little bit. That's something that he has to, you know, his body has to think about. I just think if he had a helmet, as much as I do love seeing it fly off and how you know it's great flair, if it was properly fitting, then he'd probably be a more efficient base runner slash out of the box runner. So. I, it's a pretty good base runner even with the helmet. So yeah, imagine how good he could be uh, if the helmet stayed on. I don't know. That's always been a tough one for me. I The people like seeing the helmet fall off. I do worry about his safety. He almost got popped on throwdowns to second a couple times. That's going to be bad if that ever happens. Same time, man. It's cool seeing that helmet fly off. I don't know how yeah, I feel about it, that one. It, it, I think it's a personal choice. I think if Akil Badu is comfortable with the helmet that's too big, then then uh, I'm cool with that. All right. Another wish list. More padding on the outfield wall slash mainly center field wall as to protect Derek Hill from suffering another injury when he crashes into the wall. I think there's got to be some sort of technology that can absorb a Derek Hill hit and where he doesn't sprain his shoulder or whatever injuries he suffered. I mean, I think Derek Hill needs to play in some football pads, like or just some <laughs> just shoulder pads get... and a flag jacket. Like, yeah, I think that's what I think that's the best solution. Get him one of those like skeletal things you see football players wear underneath their pads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just wears them in the field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that might be. I think that's. I think that's. That our might be the best here. suggestion we've had on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, I want me some Dan Petrie and some Austin Jackson in any broadcast. Yes. Play, like yes. Uh, uh, during the game, Sign during the up. game. 100%. Like obviously Petrie's good in studio or whatever, but during the game, radio, TV, don't care. Petrie, yes. And Austin Jackson showed enough that I'd like to see him as well get some sort of extended role. Um, you talked about this in a mailbag recently. I want a, I want a regular occurrence of the 1968 era road unis. Those are fire. I'm on board for that one as well. They're 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 clean, man. And the Tigers, you know, they're talking about a lot of marketing ideas. I think a good one have like a regular alternate uniform. That's not anything stupid. That's something classic and classy. I think you got to do it. I think that's I think that's an easy. I think that's a layup. For it's the Tigers it's a layup because Make the logo layups. itself is classic like the old english d right so like if you get an alternative uniform you just go with another classic it sort of like fits the mold of the team you know 
and and obviously it brings back great memories of 68 team all that stuff so like just i i think it, as you said it's a no-brainer it's a layup i'm gonna say this this is gonna make a few people mad probably a few pod listeners mad tigers on the marketing side of things need to make their layups i think there's some layups over the years that they just they just kind of miss where they you know the lanes open and instead they take a pull-up jumper like drive to the hoop make your layups i think there's some easy ideas we can get into more specifics on a later pod maybe that's a, that'd actually be a good idea marketing ideas for the tigers i think there's some easy things they could do to improve the fan experience the overall marketing of the team um their layups and they just need to make them since this is a baseball podcast sometimes there's nothing wrong with getting a single just get if the single's there take yeah. the single yeah you know uh and in the financial world, you never go broke taking a profit, metaphorically speaking. Uh, speaking of fan experience, now, this is something more for you to answer than me. Obviously, I'm over here in Texas. You go to the games, uh, the home games there at Comerica. Is there a way for the Tigers to embrace gambling more? I think that's going to happen for sure. I think that is on the way. They already have. Uh, you know, partnerships with what points bet and, and bet MGM. I think Bally Sports is probably going to continue to incorporate a lot more gambling elements on their broadcast. Uh, I don't know the specifics, but that's one of the ideas I have heard. Like, expect just a lot more of a gambling presence in the ballpark. I don't know exactly what that means, but I think that is top of the list. Uh, I want to see on the I want to see on the jumbotron. You know what I mean? I want to like. Fully embrace it. It's legal in Michigan. You know, you got a formalized system in Michigan. And Christopher, well, the Illich family happens to own a casino. So so. talk about layups. It's kind of a layup. Maybe there's some Major League Baseball, like, paperwork loophole that, like, you know, they had to, like, you know, jump through or whatever. But just general... MLB also needs to get rid of that in the next CBA. You want to grow the sport, like embrace embrace gambling. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, here's one that uh, that predates you following the Tigers, but the majority of our listeners will remember. So when I first started watching, following, reading about the Tigers, their best player, and these were bad teams, their best player was one Bobby Higginson. And he was a – I'm not comparing the numbers. Robbie Grossman's better. But I kind of think of Bobby Higginson as sort of like a Robbie Grossman-type player. Um, and he played for nine, ten years. And, like, their last winning season was, like, the year before he got called up or two years before the year he got called up. He retired after 2005 due to the age and injuries, and the next year he go to the World Series. So, like, I just feel like the Tigers need to sort of kind of bring – they have an alumni day, bring him back, have him throw out a first pitch. Like, that was one of the few players that you looked at and said, hey, that's a, that's a good guy over there on the field. That's that. Hey, watch him at bat. He's a good ball player when, you know – I'm going to Tigers games in like, you know, 2001, 2002 and all that stuff. It's one of the few guys you could point to and be like, this guy's legit. He's legit. And so I I feel like he kind of needs to get his flowers a little bit. I don't know, you know, 
Bobby Bobby Higgins. I had many a Bobby Higginson baseball card. For some reason, I always kind of liked him, even though I, I didn't really follow the Tigers growing up. This is a guy. His 2000 season, 5.3 wins above replacement. The Tigers, you know, the 2021 Tigers did not have a five-win player. 30 home runs, 300 average, 377 OBP. Probably didn't get enough credit for that at the time because one base percentage wasn't embraced quite as much. And 30 homers in 2000 was like, no one raised an eyelash at. If you weren't bopping 60, then like, what good were you, you know? But that's a heck of a season. And he had a few other three-win seasons in there. Quality player who probably didn't get quite enough due. You're right. And also, his numbers, as you just mentioned, but we got to say it sort of out loud. How would he be looked at in an era of which that was not dominated by roids? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I th- I think he if in many facets I think he was sort of wrong place, wrong time, and that's unfortunate because I, I like like you said, I always liked watching him play. I always liked uh, as a kid, you know, throw right, bat left. I always tried to look at players. I also did that, you know, and uh, and and he fit that profile. I always liked watching him play whenever we would go to Tigers games uh, here down in Texas. So. Yeah, I, I just, 12th round draft pick. Yeah. Worked his way to yeah. the leagues. I, I like think it. I think he's a guy that needs to kind of get his due. So that that would be on a Christmas wish list. All right, here's something that you're going to tell me. I already know it. And I'm prepared to defend it. It's very Uh-oh. stupid. But I think A it would add excitement to the game. And B it actually has happened before, so back in like the 1910s. But it has happened before. I think there, uh, the Tigers should adjust the outfield to have a little section in one of the corners, either like you know left center, right center, or they're 420. Have a little section right there, build a little wall, and make that a ground rule triple territory. Make that a huge Fine. advantage for your team to 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 know that you can get three bags somewhat automatically. It goes in there. It's ground rule triple territory. Back in the day, they used to put fans on the field, like on the outskirts, back before people were hitting home runs. And if the ball went in there, it was a ground rule triple. It's a real thing. So if... Boston can have a wall that is however many feet tall and very short. I don't see why Detroit can't have a little section that's a ground rule, triple section. Make it the ground rules. That's interesting. I I do think it's stupid. I don't even know why I think it's stupid. It's just it's just like an unnecessary quirk, I guess. Like there's nothing actually wrong with it. I mean, as a kid, I always thought it'd be cool if instead of the warning track, there were just like water and the fielders could like fall in the water, you know? <laughs> Maybe if the ball goes in there, it's like a ground rule double. I mean, that's stupid. That's a dumb, that's an idea that an eight-year-old would think was cool. I don't think that anymore, but uh, I'm sure people will get a, a kick out of certain quirks like that. So it would depend where in the ballpark it was. Like, is it something that was obviously going to be a triple anyway? Is it something managers 
like, well, that would have been a double, but in this stupid ballpark, that's a triple and, you know, just cost my team a run. I'm just saying we have a ballpark in baseball where they grow Ivy on a brick. And like, well, it's just and for aesthetics. And, and, it doesn't impact. Well, I guess the ball can get caught in there. All right. Yeah. All right. And they have a little like the basket uh, catch the basket thing. I'm just saying we got ridiculous things in baseball <laughs> left and right. The Yankees decided to build a stadium with a freaking wind tunnel that goes out to right field. So I'm just saying it does. I, I am admitting it is ridiculous. But if we say the, these other things out loud, is it really that ridiculous? I don't know. That's that's kind of like asking Santa for like a Harley when you're like six years old. You know, like <laughs> I, I guess, you know, kudos for having, you know, having the uh, guts to ask for a Harley. Santa's not bringing in a Harley, you know. Maybe it's a fine idea, but you're not getting that for Christmas. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, well, that's why it's a wish. <laughs> uh... <laughs> This is sort of a long-term thing, but I think all Tigers fans need to wish for, whenever it happens, having a smooth Miguel Cabrera exit. Not where they have to cut him because he sucks, or and he wants to hold out, and then he's got to go play for Baltimore, Seattle, or something for half a season, or whatever. Like, again, whenever it happens. Like, but I think it would just, it would be more than ideal if he could just have a smooth exit, whether it's he retires after this year or next year when his contract's up or whatever. But I just, I just don't want a dirty exit from Miguel Cabrera because he's done too much for the franchise. He's meant too much for the franchise. Big time agree. It's like you read my uh, New Year's Day predictions for the tigers already well it'll just be a slight tease we'll talk about those more in a couple weeks but man we'll see how this year goes i think the tigers need to strongly suggest to miguel at the end of the year that he retire and i think miguel needs to have the humility to accept that that his time is up and he'll probably still cash in for 32 million to to do nothing or maybe the tigers shave a little bit off that on some kind of buyout I think you're right. I think it makes sense. I think it'll be ugly and painful if it happens any other way. Yeah. Uh, Another wish. I think the Tigers need to start right now the campaign to claim Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander as Tigers for their Hall of... Because obviously they're going to be Hall of Famers for their Hall of Fame status or whatever. Get, Get the hat on the plaque at Cooperstown. Ver, I think yeah. that Ver, Verlander think for sure, even though he's got a Cy Young in his world series elsewhere. I, you know, he was the tiger for a long time. He was a member of the, the best tigers teams of an era. The peak of his dominance was ultimately with the tigers. I don't think that one's in dispute. Scherzer might be a little tougher case just because I don't know be if tough. the peak of his dominance was as a tigers kind of, some of both. It's uh, also where he came into become Max Scherzer. It is. You know, so that also, let's let's pull up Max Scherzer here on Baseball Reference. He just wasn't a Tiger for that long. Is the problem? Five seasons as a Tiger, and you know, I don't know that he was How dominant was he until national? the final two, and then six seasons, six and a half seasons as a National. I don't think you know he won one Cy Young in Detroit. 
two in Washington. That's tough. That's one of those where like, and it wasn't like the Tigers drafted him. He was drafted by the Diamondbacks. So that's like, what do you, I guess that's Max's preference, whichever franchise he feels closest to, because that's a, that's a real in-between one right there. All right. Last wish. This is for you, Cody. Let's get T Swift to Comerica. Oh, yes, please. Anything. Anything to make it happen. <laughs> she played last time she was in Detroit, she played Ford Field, which I guess probably has a bigger capacity than Little Caesars Arena. That's probably why she chose Ford Field. But it sounds like the Illiches need to step up. Uh, the folks at Olympia Entertainment, 313 Presents, need to get T Swift in one of their venues. A summer T-Swift concert in Comerica. Look, that'd be way better than um, who who played there. Like, I don't know, Green Day's fine or whatever. But like Metallica. And the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, Red Hot Chili Peppers are good. But like, for some reason, they're just attracting these older artists. Like, let's get someone current. And let's get someone who is freaking amazing. Yeah, sign me up. All right. So those those are my wishes. Serious. Maybe she should do an interview with uh, local beat writers as well before her concert, or maybe yes. just a one-on-one with me, in which I could one-on-one something over like that. over dinner. Yeah, and uh, you know, a little. Yeah, I th- I think I think that'd be good for her, and, and you know, maybe you could be the next guy that she writes about a song. So exactly. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up with a little College Chronicles. Uh, we have uh, we have a buddy. So, as y'all know, Cody's from Amarillo, uh, and then obviously went to college together, Oklahoma State. And there are several several people that um, that we crossed paths with at like different times that were sort of unexpected. One of them is a guy that he grew up with and lived with freshman year, and then I sort of met a couple years later, and he became a great source of entertainment for us. Um, we're gonna call him Zach. Uh, Cody, I don't know where you want to start with this guy, uh, but you, like I said, you grew up with him, so maybe I think you kind of have to start out like the Zach experience. Oh, I, yeah, where do you start? I think that the best thing about Zach is that his father was my pediatrician. He's a very successful, uh, well-liked doctor here in town, and his son, one of five children in the family, is... Uh, just an oddball man in the best of ways, but he's just, he's just a goofball. Always has been, uh, known him since like first grade, played on a couple baseball teams with him. He, his favorite player was Ichiro and, uh, he's, he's of some Japanese descent. So that's kind of why he liked Ichiro, but he would wear like a rally cap, like turned inside out just in the field. And like, that's just what he did. And if anyone told him, no, he just like didn't, listen to that so that's that's what he was like as a young baseball player lived with him my freshman year at Oklahoma State that was was an interesting guy to room with uh but very quirky he had all these DVDs alphabetized you know alphabetized one day me and my other friend being mean kind of regret this do I I decided to just mess with Zach we changed our TV to black and white put it on Spanish (laughs) took his DVDs out of alphabetical order and he just about had a breakdown, you know. So that's that's kind of a small insight into his personality. Um, but he was he was just funny. He just had a lot of quirks about him. 
Uh, I'll let Kieran go into a few of his favorite because you got to consider. I knew Zach my whole life. Zach was he was funny, but he was kind of oh yeah, that's Zach. Kieran got to meet this guy from just a fresh perspective and was yeah. probably like, what? Like, who is this person? Well, it should be noted that he's also very, very, very intelligent. Oh, uh, oh genius. Like, uh, genius. so one. One, I, I, Detroit Tigers, listen, I have been saying for years that Zach needs to work in a baseball analytics department. And he probably could have, but he dropped out of Oklahoma State like one semester short of graduating just because that's something Zach would do. He now has a degree. Um, no one would hire him because he doesn't have the requisite experience, would probably do like terrible in an interview. Genius. He would lead your team to greatness. Yeah. So he, uh, he also, because one of my buddies from college was uh, a mathematical education major and he had the same classes as Zach. So like it was one of those, again, one of those weird things like, you know, a guy and we know him from different, different planes or whatever. Zach's very smart. Uh, also a guy who, uh, you know, would partake in the college experience of using illicit drugs. And I remember one time I got in his car, we were going to get something to eat and, he said, "Hey, can you open up the glove compartment? Because you know he needed, you know, you know he was trying to get money. I opened up the glove compartment, and it was just more cash than I had seen in my life in one spot. Like not necessarily an amount, but just in like the amount of bills. It, it was like a lot of like ones and like yeah. fives. Yeah, it wasn't like a but it was like dotty amount of money. Because, yeah. You know, if you if you have fifty dollars in ones." Like, that's a a large stack, you know? (laughs) And I'd be like, dude, like, why do you have this much cash? And then I kind of figured it out, like, you know, it's like... Well, no, that was only... He also said, I don't trust banks. Yeah, he... Yes. Which is true. Which is... He would go to, like, the Western Union or whatever to, like, cash his paychecks. And I'd be like, why don't you be an adult and, like, have a bank account? He didn't like that comment. (laughs) But... One one time, one time, because uh, we, and again, just by pure coincidence, and uh, in the apartment complex I lived in at the time, he lived right across the street. So we would hang out all the time, and, uh, you know, you'd come over and all that stuff, but there'd be times where he'd just be bored, and he wanted to hang out, and, you know, he smoked cigarettes, and I smoked cigarettes at the time, and so, like, he'd be like, hey, man, you want to smoke? I'd be like okay so then he'd just like come over and we and we smoke some cigarettes talk about stuff or whatever one time and this was probably in like january february and as i've mentioned before like oklahoma gets pretty bitterly cold uh in the winter time and this was after like an ice storm it was really cold it was probably it was probably in the 25 degree wind chill era and people just laugh yeah, well, I mean, look, it's cold. Like, I'm not saying... No, it was like, cold. I was freezing. Yeah, like, I was there. You know, like, yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, trying to get points or whatever because I was outside in the cold. I'm just saying <laughs> it was cold. Uh, so, he comes over. We go out to my back porch in the apartment. And, again, it's like 25 degrees wind chill. And he's not really holding a conversation with what I'm talking about. And he is sweating profusely, like, as if he was in a sauna. And I'm like, 
dude, are you all right? He's like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm fine or whatever. He takes off his jacket. So now he only has what is essentially a Hanes white t-shirt, except the sleeves are cut off. And again, it's 25 <laughs> degrees outside or whatever. And he's still kind of fumbling his words. And I'm just like, dude, is everything all right? And then he just yaks just yaks like into like you know behind our porch or whatever and he kind of you know gathered himself up (sighs) never take a hydro on an empty stomach (laughs) that's all he says and i was like jesus dude (laughs) to really get this portrait like the the cut off hanes t-shirt is a great idea this guy's choice of apparel was, and not to not to make fun of me, like this guy was the son of a doctor and a lawyer, yet he chose to wear little league jerseys into <laughs> yeah. his college years. He would wear with the, the little league jerseys, <laughs> yeah, with like the sponsors from North Randall County Baseball, with like you know number fifty one on the back, and it'd be like a Cubs or like a you know, Red Sox or whatever little league team. He he kept them all and he would just wear them as t-shirts. He could still fit because he was like a pretty chubby child. And I, I don't know, they like still, they were pretty tight on him, but he could wear them and he wore them. And he had, he played basketball at a private school at, in Amarillo in which I think he was like the star of the team. That must've been quite the show. A uh, decent long green shooter, even though he was not uh, the most athletic guy I've ever seen. But his choice of basketball shoes. Actually, I mean, they were fine shoes. They were like the Nike Shocks Elite from like 2010, 2012. But, yeah, they're nice. But I'll let Kieran finish this one off. So we mentioned our uh, our friend last week, uh, Murphy, or Michael. What's his real name? <laughs> and, uh, and so we were going to the Colvin Center, the rec center at Oklahoma State, to, to you know play some pickup hoops. And we get there and we see Zach already playing a game. He's got his elites on. And it's, these were ones, again, they were nice shoes. They had the straps. and They had been Murphy, worn, though. And the Velcro was, like, no longer very functional. And just right. seeing Zach in, like, Nike Shocks elite basketball shoes was kind of funny in the first place. Yes. And, and again, not necessarily Matt. Like, the shoe prestige did not match the athletic prestige and so he was wearing like the shocks with like some cheap like navy blue athletic shorts and like a light blue cubs little league jersey yes and so (laughs) murphy sees him and he's got the straps unstrapped and he just kind of yells at zach and uh, murphy knew zach very well too so it's not like a stranger or anything he just kind of yells i was like you gotta strap up the elites, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach had this like befuddled look on his face, and it was one of those things. When we talk about some of our best memories happen with, you know, our friend, our friend Murphy. Like that's an example. It's just like we just walk up into a recreation center. He sees a guy we know, and just instantly says something that just digs at him. And it's just instantly like it's an instant classic funny line. You gotta strap up the elites, bro. So, uh, so yeah. So Zach is as we talked about Murphy being a lawyer. Zach's a teacher. Zach educating is, America's youth. Educating America's youth, 
and uh and just seemingly doing enjoying himself doing well at it or whatever he posted something on twitter the other day about like he's got this like uh like a mute student or something like that who has to like communicate in different ways and one of the thing and and he's been like helping him out and all that stuff and and one of the ways this kid showed his appreciation was he like 3d printed like some little like device for zach or something like that he's like oh i'm so proud of my students i was like this guy is treating like disabled youth and doing a great job at it and he's great human all being the, here we are the, bad the, human the, beings making fun of him yeah. he's a great he's, great human he's a great guy great human being when my we didn't have hot water in my apartment for like two weeks he let me go take showers at his apartment uh like great guy but it's just one of those dudes, man, where you're just like, man, he's a teacher now. <laughs> like, a, a, a quick post-college anecdote. He, uh, I believe the story is he was intoxicated and tried to ride a scooter in someone's garage for some reason and <laughs> fell and knocked one of his front teeth just right out. And he's not got this tooth fixed or replaced or anything. Nope. Um, because he says, you know, this is like within the year, first year it happened. He said, yeah, like I've dated four girls since I lost my tooth. Just got to give them something to ask about. (laughs) (laughs) Find your niche and don't let it go. That's the lesson from Mr. Zach, man. So just another character, obviously Cody grew up with him, but from my experience, just another character you run into and provides you with, um, with great memories to look back on from uh, from our youth, so that was that was our latest edition of College Chronicles. Anything else you want to get into, Cody? That's all I got. All right. Well, we hope everybody has a safe and merry Christmas, happy holidays. We'll obviously talk to talk to you guys as the as the new year comes, and we'll keep peddling out these podcasts with random fodder. That we come up with uh, as we uh, navigate this lockout, just like the rest of you guys are navigating the lockout. So if you if you're still listening, if you're keeping with us, we really appreciate it. If you're a subscriber, reading Cody's stories on the Athletic, very much appreciated. Obviously, uh, that's his livelihood on the line. We do this for fun and we have a great time. And so, Athletic being a sub model business. Uh, all the subscriptions, all the all the readers are greatly appreciated by him. I know that. And if you guys can continue to subscribe, Apple, Spotify, give us a five-star re- review, we would very much appreciate it. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to do this, talk Tigers with my boy Cody here. And, and it's just awesome that people are also entertained by what we do here. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great holiday, and we will talk to you next time.